What if the flaws that you perceive about yourself could actually be your greatest gifts? Or the regrets that you might have in your life could actually open up a channel of wisdom that will open up your life in a beautiful and magnificent way. Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. I'm your host, Victor Pierantoni, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about Kintsugi. Which Kintsugi literally means to join with gold. And it is essentially the Japanese art of repairing pottery by lining the cracks or the flaws in the pottery that has been broken with gold. Now, this actually came to be because there was a Japanese shogun who once upon a time had broken his favorite tea bowl. And when he did, he wanted it to be repaired. So he sent it back to China where he had gotten it. And when they sent it back, there was a bunch of big, ugly staples joining the bowl together. And he's like, there is no way I can possibly use this. This is like ridiculous looking. So he called on his personal favorite craftsman that was the best and the most creative that he had. And this craftsman ended up creating an adhesive and lined it with gold powder, ultimately resulting in something that looks like this. Where now, even though the pot has been broken or the bowl has been broken, it is joined with gold in such a way that it actually ends up looking better than the original, more artistic than the original, and suddenly has this essence of character, of uniqueness. And this is where Kintsugi becomes an art that we can actually live our lives by. Now, one of the reasons that I bring this up is because a lot of the time, what prevents people from having what they want in the now or from having a compelling future is that they look back at their past. They're essentially driving the car of their life looking into the rearview mirror. And if you're driving to a destination looking in the rearview mirror, eventually you're going to crash into something. So instead of crashing, what we want to be able to do is look forward. But what prevents us from being able to look forward is every time that we obsess of and fixate on the flaws of our past, on the things that we regret, on that weird thing that we said in third grade and then cringe every time we think about it, like, it's not worth thinking about at this point in time, but why do we keep doing it? The reason why we keep doing that and the reason why memories keep coming up in the way that they do and keep repeating themselves is because our unconscious mind is attempting to revise the memory and update the meaning. However, if we're not free from the emotional charge of that meaning, it can be very difficult to resist the memories that are coming up and allow them to consume our attention, ultimately causing us to feel not so great when we're thinking about them. So what we do with Kintsugi is we actually begin to line the cracks and the wounds of our past with gold so that your vulnerabilities, your regrets, and everything that you thought was lost or that you thought wasn't right about you can actually become a unique expression and actually highlight the uniqueness of the person that you are at the sincerest level. So this actually, this concept came into my life in a very interesting way because I always knew the importance of it. And I had heard about it before, but there was one time, I think it was, so Thanksgiving of last year, my family was visiting and my grandmother, she had been visiting as well. Now her and another family member had gotten into a conflict together. And this was a conflict to the, to the degree that they were no longer on speaking terms, at least for the time being during that conflict. Right. So it got, it had, it had escalated quite a bit. And I remember she was telling me this story and venting to me about it. And ultimately, she said this phrase, which is what essentially clicked this idea back into my mind. When she was talking to me about it, she's like, yeah, you know, like maybe we can fix it. 
but there's always going to be that crack that like you can always see. It's like when you break a glass and you can always see the crack in it, even if you fix it, even if you glue it together. And then I thought to myself about this idea of kintsugi. And I remember I showed her a kintsugi bowl as she was telling me that. I didn't even say anything. I said, well, what if it could be like this? And I showed her the kintsugi bowl and she started to cry. Now, the reason being is because it activates a deep truth within us that as human beings, true perfection exists within all of our perceived imperfections. So when we have these perceived imperfections, some of us try to cover them up. Some of us, some of us try not to show them at all. Some of us try to just essentially glue them with the ad- metaphorical adhesive of our lives where, you know, it's, it's kind of there and you can kind of see it and then we feel shame around it or guilt around it. But we can also embrace the cracks in our foundation. We can embrace the wounds that we've had. And instead of allowing them to continue to be cracks in our foundation of the character that we are, instead, we line them with gold in a way that truly allows us to express ourselves in a unique way, to embrace our past, not to shy away from it, not to shame it, but to bring light to it so that we may be the person that we seek to become. Now, what's interesting about this is when we embrace our flaws, we actually give other people the permission to do the same. Because most of the time what's happening is we are actually shaming our regrets or our wounds of our past. And the act of actually shaming them is really and truly just essentially shoving them back down into our unconscious mind. It's just like it's like casting the memories of your past into the shadows of your mind. Now, when we cast the memories of our past into the shadows of our mind, what ends up happening is they grow and they become projections in our outside world. It's like Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you'll walk around calling it fate. Now, the way that this actually happens is that when we shove things down into our unconscious mind and we try to forget about it, we try to dissociate ourselves from it and say, that's not me, that never happened, or we try to deny it, what ends up actually happening is we see projections of it in our external reality. Things in our reality remind us of what still needs to be changed or what needs to be revised in terms of our memory, which is the whole reason that those old memories get triggered in the first place. They get triggered so that we have the opportunity to revise them. So if you have a thought that continuously comes up and it it doesn't seem to let up and you have a memory that continuously comes to you, what it's doing is it's actually calling to you to have a revision, to release the emotional charge, to let it go. And so we practice this idea of kintsugi with ourselves. We can always repair the past in a way that actually embraces who we are as individuals, embraces our imperfections, and gives other people the permission to do the same. If we shame ourselves, then we're not going to be able to give other people that openness, that safety of expression, because they can feel in our interactions that we too are shaming the same thing. So there's this really interesting idea that Alan Watts talked about when he would talk about Carl Jung. Now, Carl Jung is somebody that I mentioned on this podcast a lot, Alan Watts as well. And one thing that that Alan Watts would talk about regarding Carl Jung that I thought was brilliant was this idea that when you were around Carl Jung, there was this twinkle in his eye (laughs) that no matter how much he had achieved or how much prestige he had in his life, you were always able to feel totally relaxed and at ease around him. Whereas other people with that level of prestige, sometimes you'd feel like kind of on the edge of your seat or like you needed to impress them. Carl Jung apparently had an opposite effect where people would feel at ease and totally relaxed around him, which would allow them the safety to bring up what was hidden in the shadows of their unconscious mind and thus allow people to let those things go and heal them so that they can 
come back into wholeness of their being. So the reason why Carl Jung was able to do that is because, like Alan Watts said, he had this twinkle in his eye that no matter how much he achieved, no matter how much work he had done on himself, he knew that he would always be somewhat of a rascal. And Alan Watts called this the trait of irreducible rascality, which is like, no matter what we do, no matter how much success we have or how much wisdom we gain, at the end of the day, we're all still little kids inside. And that part of us is irreducible. It stays with us. We're always children. And so that child within us needs the opportunity to feel safe. And if you are walking around and feeling shame for your past or guilt for your past, then it has an unconscious effect on the people that you interact with. So the more work we do on ourselves, the more we line our flaws and our regrets and our, our past failures with gold and we embrace them, the more people have the permission to totally be themselves, to relax into safety, and to let these things go. So by healing this in yourself, you're not only healing it for you, but you're actually giving everyone you interact with an opportunity to do that in themselves because it allows them to feel safe when you embrace your own flaws, your own regrets, your own past wounds. So it's important when we're discussing Kintsugi to also talk about this idea of wabi-sabi. Now, wabi-sabi is a Japanese ideal that cherishes the regular, unpretentious, and aged. Ultimately, it is cherishing the ordinary. So the way to, to define the word is to break it down into the two parts. Now, sabi is easier to define first, even though it's the second part of the word. So sabi essentially is this quality of being alone, of almost like being a hermit. Now, again, it's not necessarily promoting this idea that you should go and be a hermit, but what it is saying is this quality of what it is to be human is this individual experience that we get to have. Now, the individual experience of a human being can sometimes have us living in a state of aloneness. Now, aloneness is different from loneliness, but the problem that most of us have is that we make a complex equivalence and equate being alone, like having the reality of being alone, to being lonely. Now, there is a difference between these two things. Aloneness is a fact. It is a reality. Loneliness is a story that we have about that reality. When we are feeling lonely, we are not actually cherishing the individual, regular, un unpretentious experience. What we're doing in that state is we're actually focusing on what we don't have. We're focusing on and wanting things to be different. And we're engaging in an intention or a delusion rather of resistance, resisting reality for what reality is. Aloneness and loneliness are not the same thing. And one does not have to be lonely just because they are experiencing something alone. Now, the reason why this is so important when it comes to embodying a lifestyle of kintsugi, where we are embracing our flaws, embracing our wounds and the regrets of our past or our failures, the reason why is because in order to actually do this, it takes a degree of doing inner work and being on a path where you are committed to your healing, you are committed to your transformation, you are committed to your own awakening. So on such a path, it is important to remember that this is the road less traveled. And it's as if we are all climbing our own metaphorical mountain in life. Now, the mountain that you're climbing could be the mountain of building a business, or it could be the mountain of becoming really healthy and fit, or it could be the mountain of being a good parent, or it could be all three of those and maybe some more additional metaphorical mountains that we're climbing. But as we're climbing these mountainsides, when we are taking the path of Kintsugi, when we are actually going in and letting go of the emotional charge, letting go of the story, 
of what happened to us and reframing it and updating the meaning of our lives to be more suited with who we truly want to be in life, this path can sometimes lend itself to being alone, where your experience does not actually match the experience of everyone around you because you're having your own unique experience. These experiences become very unique for you and your transformation. So there will be times where you're climbing up that mountain and you're looking around and you're realizing to yourself that you're the only one on that particular path in that moment in time. And every now and again, you'll cross paths with other people who are on a similar path, also doing the inner work, also releasing and reframing their past. But a lot of the time, this is going to be a unique experience and this is not a bad thing. This doesn't mean you are lonely. It is just a state of aloneness because you are choosing a path that is truly your own, that is truly creating an energy signature that is authentic to you. And this is very different from being lonely because loneliness, on the other hand, is the resistance to the state of aloneness. It is essentially saying that for whatever reason, you are not enough or you don't have what you need to go on or that there's something wrong with you because you're the only one experiencing what you're experiencing. There is only one you, and you are here to express yourself authentically, to be a unique expression of the universe in your life in the way that you decide to live it. So there will be times where you're climbing that mountainside alone. And wabi-sabi is the embrace of that aloneness. Wabi is defined as what is simple and ordinary and eternally reliable. So one thing that is simple, ordinary, and eternally reliable is the consistency of having our individual experience. Wherever we go, we take ourselves with ourselves. We're always with ourselves in everything that we do in all of our life experiences. And there is an ordinariness, there is a regularness to it, there is a consistency to that experience. And so when we think about wabi-sabi as a whole, this is to embrace the life of imperfection, to know that as human beings, our existence here is temporary. Right? As human beings, we are sensitive organisms who are subject to illness, subject to injury, subject to death. We are mortal. So there is this temporary and fragile nature to our existence being in the form that we are. And some people may look at that and say, well, what's the point of life if it's just going to end? What's the point if we're so sensitive? What's the point if we can get hurt and get sick? But there, it is quite the contrary to that because the whole idea of our individual limited and sensitive experience is that is what gives it all the more meaning, right? When we think about the stoic idea of memento mori, it is to meditate on one's mortality. The reason why this is so important is because by meditating on our mortality and realizing that we are mortal and reminding ourselves of this, it actually brings attention and awareness to all of the decisions and the thoughts and the words that we express. The reason being is because the temporary nature of these things is what makes them truly beautiful and meaningful to us. This is what ultimately guides our lives and tells us what's important and tells us what's worth engaging in and tells us what's, what is worth letting go of. And so this idea of wabi-sabi is to embrace the imperfections of life. So when we think about the idea of wabi-sabi and climbing our metaphorical mountain, knowing that there are others climbing a similar mountain where they're having this profound solitude of experience as well, where they're having their own aloneness and knowing that others are sharing that and being able to essentially embrace your flaws, to embrace your story of your past without attaching to it and instead making it something unique and beautiful is what actually creates the beauty and the connection of using wabi-sabi and kintsugi. 
by essentially embracing your aloneness and your willingness to live your path authentically and to embrace your flaws and make them something beautiful, to express them as part of your character to others, it gives them the permission to do the same. And so you line your flaws with gold. You line your imperfections with gold so that you are embracing it and giving the permission to others around you who are on a similar path to experience that safety and that permission to open up just a little bit more. And that is the importance of living in this way. It is to essentially make decisions in your life that allow you to be at peace with yourself, to allow you to be in self-acceptance throughout all of your life. The more we are able to accept ourselves, the more inner peace we will ultimately find. And in order to accept ourselves, it begins with bringing out from what we've put in the shadows of our mind and bringing those things to light, bringing them to light, embracing them, sharing with others, and allowing ourselves to realize that we are not actually alone in this, that we experience some of the very same things, the very same feelings, the very same stories that everybody else experiences, and that we are not alone in this. We do actually have people around us who will relate to this experience and be able to allow us to feel heard, safe, seen, and understood in our experience, and we can do the same thing for them. And it all begins with looking into our past and allowing ourselves to let go of what has hurt us, to reframe and change the meaning, because while we cannot change what has happened to us, we can change what it means to us. For a long time, I had the belief that when my mother passed away, that my mom was taken from me, or that life wasn't fair. I had all these stories about my own victimization, and nobody would ever fault me for them. Nobody would ever call me out on them, because when I would tell them, they would just understand and they'd give me sympathy for it but then one day i had this really powerful experience where i was doing this exercise where i was revisiting the memory of the last time that i saw my mom and the last time that i saw her i remember we were in the hospital it was a week before she died and i gave her a kiss on the forehead now i had always looked at that as like that was the last day that i saw my mom like that's the last time i saw my mom before i lost her i would have these types of stories in my mind and then when I did this exercise where I revisited that memory through a visualization, I realized that in that moment, that's not the last time I saw my mom or that's not the moment that I lost my mom. That was the moment that in some way, shape or form as a kid, I was telling my mom, it's okay. You no longer have to suffer. You can go. I'll be okay. And that's what that kiss on the forehead symbolized. And so by reframing that, that was me lining my memory with gold so that it was something that I could share with others to help others heal, to help others awaken, and ultimately to help myself free myself from the emotional charge of that experience so it no longer dominated my mind and my emotions. So how do you actually implement Kintsugi into your life? So I'll share with you what I did to actually rewrite that memory that I had with my mom, where it was a memory of not me losing her, but me essentially letting her go, which interestingly enough, I had actually rewritten that memory after I had gotten a tattoo on my back where the original meaning was there was an angel reaching down and another hand reaching up. Now, to me, the meaning of that tattoo was always that my mom was reaching down to me. But after I had done that actual exercise, that visualization where I essentially lined that memory with gold and rewrote it as something that I embraced of something that was truly beautiful that tattoo's meaning changed for me, where it was no longer my mom reaching down. It was me letting her go, letting her be free. 
out of her suffering. And so here's how you can actually do this as well. If you start to have memories or you have memories that don't seem to leave you, this is a good place to start with them. One of the things that Jordan Peterson talks about as a powerful exercise for this is to actually write these memories down that continuously come to you carefully and completely. Most of the time, the reason why they seem to plague us or they, they are really difficult to process is because we're trying to keep them in our head and keeping them in our head is ultimately going to distort them over time and it's going to also mix in with the emotional charge we have about the memory. So writing memories down carefully and completely is important, but I would take this a step further, not just writing them down because just writing them down can stir up the emotions once again, but it's writing them down with a different perspective. And the different perspective is a single question that will change everything. And you can use this question even outside of the context of looking back on memories. You can look at it as stuff that's happening now in the present that might be unpleasant. And the question is, where is the gift here? Now, this question is extremely powerful. The reason being is because it has a presupposition within that. So in other words, a belief that is presupposed just by asking the question which is that there is a gift here. In order to ask yourself, where is the gift here? Which is the exact question I asked for that memory with my mom. You have to already believe that there is a gift here. So by asking that question, you are already engaging in the idea that there is a gift here and all you need to do is find it. And that question alone has changed my life completely. And I know it will change yours when you practice it. So when you're thinking about these memories or you're experiencing a difficult situation, Asking yourself and directing your focus to where is the gift here will allow you to begin to practice kintsugi. It will allow you to find the gold and line those memories with gold and line the situation with gold so that you are embracing the imperfections of life and realizing that all of life's true perfection exists within our perceived imperfections. So key takeaways from this episode. Number one, you're not broken and you're not alone. All of our lives are imperfect. All of us have this sensation of solitude, of aloneness, but it doesn't have to be loneliness. And the first step to eliminating that loneliness and to being able to be alone without feeling lonely is to begin to embrace the past, embrace the wounds, embrace the, the regrets, embrace the failures, and line them with gold. Ask yourself, where is the gift here? Remember, kintsugi means to join with gold. So when you put yourself back together when in your perceived brokenness, how do you put it back together with gold? How do you express yourself in a way that expresses your own uniqueness and essence? Number two is the idea of wabi-sabi, which is to embrace the imperfection of life, is to live a lifestyle where you're embracing the imperfection of your own solitude, of your own individual experience, to realize that there is a difference between aloneness and loneliness, and that while you're climbing that mountain, there will be times that you're alone. But it is in that aloneness and realizing that it's not just you who's experiencing that, but everybody has their own version of that, that you can come together. And lastly, is by embracing your imperfections, by embracing your flaws, your regrets, your failures, you give others the permission to do the same. Your healing and your transformation affects the people around you because there is something that is spoken at an unconscious level when you do this, where you put people at ease, you allow them to feel safe and more accepting of themselves. The more you accept yourself, the more others will be able to accept themselves.
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If this had a positive impact on you, please like, share, and subscribe and leave a review. I don't ask enough for reviews, but reviews are how this podcast gets shared over and over and how this message spreads. So if it helped you, please leave a review. I'd be so grateful if you leave a review. I read every single one of them. So thank you for tuning in and for enjoying this podcast. Now, I'm sure if you've been listening to podcasts like this or reading books on personal development, you've heard or read the sentiment that you have everything you need within you. But for 99.9% of the world, that is just a mental concept or something that we can only accept cognitively, but we don't actually live it. And so what if there was an experience that allowed you to feel like you had everything you needed within you in every cell of your being and had a knowing, not a belief, but a knowing that you had all within you right now. I'd like to invite you to check out the Sovereign Dream Meditation. So this is a meditation that I've created that by the time you're done listening to it, you will know in every cell of your being that you have everything you need within you. Go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram at victor.zenstoic and send me the word dream and I will send you this meditation so that you can experience it and begin living with unshakable inner peace.